Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Father Knows Something. I guess this is our uh, start of a fresh year. Uh-huh. Oh, you can see you're, you're excited. I'm trying not to throw up, so I'm sorry if this one's a little rough. Morgan uh, drank a bad bottle of kombucha, and she is, or kombucha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever um, it is. I'm paying for eating food that I forgot to put in the fridge, aka my kombucha that I left out for almost 48 hours and just kind of didn't think about it. So it's it's fine. So we're going to make this, uh, we're going to keep it going smooth and easy, an easy editing job. I'm not going to cough, sneeze, do anything, <laughs> make any crazy noises. Don't make any promises you can't right. keep. Let's, let's get rolling. Okay. So this week's episode, we asked for holiday stories and we got holiday stories. So, so let's go. This is Hellish Holidays. There might be a part two coming because these stories, these write-ins are, they need, they need the advice. Okay. Okay, so up first. Hi guys, I'm glad I found this podcast. It's comforting to listen to fatherly advice to wind down every night. So here's the situation my family is in. My grandma moved into a condo of her own a few years ago after my grandpa passed away. She has some health issues that make things like cleaning and cooking difficult for her to keep up with. My cousin, we'll call her Jane, had volunteered to help her out for a while. One day she mentioned getting more of an inheritance for helping, and my grandma said that wasn't going to happen. Jane was angry and said she wouldn't be helping for nothing and stopped coming. Grandma was really struggling to keep up, so I offered to come over and help her out a time or two a week, and my aunt did a lot of help too. Grandma was afraid at first because of what happened with Jane, but I think she was eventually more annoyed that I'd hide the money she gave me to pay me back in her house because she had always bought Jane lunches and groceries. I was just happy she was safe and living in a clean place. Jane ended up divorcing her husband and moving into the condo with grandma. I wasn't really welcome anymore at that point. There was some animosity because she, her mom, and her sister feel my brothers and I aren't really family because we are adopted and we weren't around as much after my parents divorced because of custody arrangements. I kept in touch with grandma and still took her to appointments, but they would pretend they couldn't see me when I walked her inside the house. Fast forward to this December. I haven't seen my grandma in a while, and I knew I wouldn't be able to do holidays at her house this year because of steps and the cats. I am very pregnant, and I'm high risk due to some pre-existing health conditions with my heart and collagen. I thought it would be nice to have my dad, brothers, and grandma over for a little multi-holiday dinner that I could handle this year. Grandma came over pretty upset. She was happy to be there, but explained that Jane's sister was now staying with her on and off too. And since finding out she was visiting me, the three of them berated her for going to my house to be with people who aren't even, quote, real family. Jane has been holding up in the basement and refusing to clean or share her dinner with grandma or even talk to her except to yell at her. Jane's mom and sister have been yelling at her constantly too. 
My other aunt is taking a step back from seeing her or calling her now, as Jane, her mom, and sister have been making threats to everyone and listening in on their conversations slash reading my grandma's messages. Grandma has said she doesn't want to kick her grandkids or great-grandkids out, but she feels so scared at home and just wants this all to stop. She is so sweet and doesn't deserve this. My dad is very dot 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 opposed to any kind of confrontation and thinks if he just waits, it will all blow over. I don't think grandma should live afraid to the point of crying alone in a messy living space in what's supposed to be her own home. How do I navigate this? This is really a good one. And I say that because there's a lot of dynamic that goes on. And I think we first need to know is how, how's, my, how's grandma's brain? Does she say that grandma's totally cognitive? She's got all her faculties. She's able to, to navigate if she wishes to. She has some health issues that make things like cooking and cleaning difficult for her to keep up with. That's physical. Probably met her mental. Potentially. Because she, mean, she certainly said you know, her grandma had the uh, ability of, of making decisions and choices because she says that isn't going to happen when, when they said that you know, uh, the, the cousin wanted more money. And yeah, and the will and the grandmother said that's not going to happen. Yeah, but I mean, we we have no idea. Um, there is some additional info. Grandma says she thinks she's getting notices because she's not allowed to have long term guests, but she's too afraid to look, so she's ignoring it. I'm worried she could lose her home. My brother and I were all adopted, under a month old, and my mom got primary custody. There's always been tension around us. But blandly calling us not family is newer. I used to think it was more race-related than straight-up genetics. Well, I, I think that you can relate to this really well, Morgan. And something, my family, I've always said, you are my daughter, end of story, period. And when this first happened, there was a dynamic of my, my siblings really not knowing what I was doing with everything with your mom and what was going on in our life, um, there was obstacles. And I said to my mom, this is my daughter, and you can make your own choice if you want her to be your granddaughter or not. If you're not into it, that's your business, but she is my daughter. And my mom bounced on board and said, she's my granddaughter. She had no, no, not a faculty about it. She was absolutely on, on point with it. So with that being said, we had dinner about two years ago. And then you had that one of the, one of my... Uh, oh God, that's probably six years ago now. It's, it's been some time, yeah. Okay, and someone came to you and said, you're not really uh, a granddaughter because whatever her, her, her thing was. And you were really devastated. And I got ballistic and I decided to go, you know, out for death and kill people. Yeah, I... You know, I think we can really personally relate to our writer, but I don't think, I think it's more so about grandma and like. And I have an answer for that. Okay. And so, but I was going to say that we can certainly understand. Absolutely. We, we feel this. Yeah. Well, and you know, I grew up living with my great grandma, Ellen, mm -hmm. who that was my mom's grandma. And we lived there in part because we needed a place to stay and my grandma Ellen, my great grandma Ellen needed help. 
she was old. She had health issues. So we can, I personally, I think we both can really relate to this one. And family dynamics came into play with- All over the place because I'm- Oh, same I, thing. I, Money, I knew, inheritance. I, I knew that with the, with, with the aunts and the uncles and the inheritance issue, they were absolute assholes. They, could, they were counting their money before. And they actually made grandma's life miserable because we needed to go. We were discussing the day before she died or two days before she passed and she passed away at home. She passed away walking to the, to the bathroom. It was, it was totally uncalled for up on a second flight of stairs. And I know that she was upset about everything else that was going on with all her, the inner fighting of her kids. So that being said for you in your circumstance, I definitely believe that your grandmother needs to define to everybody what, what, what's going on with her and what her wishes are, period. And they can stay where they can go, but this is the way it's going to be. And if you want to count your money today, there may be no money by the time I'm done. I may give it away to charity or this is the way I'm going to assign it and let them know right up in the bat. So there's no question later what it's going to be. And it doesn't behoove them to stay to try to control you, manipulate you, do anything about it because your mind is made up. My trust is, is done when I had full body, you know, full mind and, and cognizance. I went to a lawyer, I did it properly. And this is the way, where I'm at now. I'm going to see my, my grandchildren, all my grandchildren, not saying where they came from or how they got here, but they're here and they're my grandkids because she obviously recognized you as her granddaughter. Yeah. And there's no reason in the world that you shouldn't be able to have time with your grandmother. You love her. You, you, you've made that clear. I mean, I feel the love. Yeah. And, and I feel the manipulation from the other side. It's, it's bullshit. And, and I think your grandmother sees it too. Well, do you feel that this is, you know, our writer who is the granddaughter, do you feel it's her place to step in and get involved? Or do you think she should empower her dad or, you know, the dad seems very head in the sand. Oh, to blow over. It's fine. This isn't something that's going to blow over. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Once people sink their claws into someone and mm -hmm. realize that they can get away with the control, mm -hmm. the manipulation and having that power, they're not going to just willingly relinquish so, it. So let's play this out. How do you foresee her going to her grandmother and have a discussion with her grandmother with not somebody saying you're manipulating grandma? It's going to be very difficult. I think it's possible. I think our writer is so kind me, of in a challenging position right now with being very pregnant and high risk. Mm -hmm. So I don't think this is something they can address right now, this instant. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it might take a couple of months, um, but do you have a? Do you have, I think you just do you take have grandma, a word play that we can we, that a role play that we can. I do? mean, I think you take her out to lunch and just say, "Grandma, you are you are not in a happy, healthy living situation." And as much as you love Jane and her kids, and you know all of your grandkids and great grandkids, and you don't want to see them suffer, the two of them are grown adults. Jane and her sister, they are they could easily get a place, and Grandma. If your housing is at risk because you can't have guests, you can't burn yourself to keep them warm. This isn't working anymore. It's not healthy for you. I'm here to help in any way I can, but you really got to set some boundaries with them and give them a timeline that they should move out in. You don't have to kick them out and leave them homeless, but it's time they move on and, and stand on their own feet. 
I'm digesting it because I'm trying to, to think at the same thing. I agree with you 90% of that. But there, I, there is a there, but there is still something that she's got to get uh, to find out from her grandma. Grandma, what do you want? I think I we, think you have it in that same conversation. You I just think, say, here's what start, I'm seeing. I think you start with that. Right? You are not in a healthy living situation. The minute Jane knew she wasn't getting more money, she left you. Right, but now, but you're, but you're, manip- you're, you are manipulating part of this conversation. I want. I'm thinking more that she's got to first start by saying, "Grandma, what do you want? I'm here to help you. Whatever you want, what do you want? Yeah, because I think that's that's the conversation. So I it's not manipulated. Some, and no, no one can say it is. No one can say you're trying not, to direct it. You're not trying not, to drive it. You're not at all. You're saying, you know, here's what I'm seeing. Grandma is being emotionally Pulled. and financially abused. Like it, this is, and I mean, I, I'd go so far. I mean, monitoring someone's calls and reading their messages mm-hmm. and, there, this is abuse. This is mm-hmm. elder abuse, and this is this happens, and this this actually can be reported to the state. So, if you anyone out there listening, so if are, you are, know an elder being abused, there are many, many different organizations there, you can reach out to. Are there advocates? There are many organizations you can reach out to to report elder abuse, mm-hmm. depending on what state, depending on you know where you're located, but. Elder abuse is taken pretty seriously. Okay, so there are advocates, mm-hmm. senior advocates that come in to help this person. And I don't know if it's provided by the state. Is it provided it by- It depends. So like in California, we have the Adult Protective Services. Each California county has an Adult Protective Service, APS agency, to help elder adults 60 years and older and dependent adults, 18 through 59, who are disabled. So California is one. Um, But I mean, if you search report elder abuse and your state, your county, I'm sure you can find resources because it's anonymous and you can have someone come in and investigate if you don't want to get involved. But I definitely think like getting involved, it might be there, especially if your grandma's getting notices Mm -hmm. and is at risk to lose her home. She should not be homeless because of yeah, but we don't, kids and right. grandkids taking advantage of her. Right, right, but this is only a thought that she made. We don't really know if that's real or not. That there's elder abuse? No, we don't know if there's really that she's not paying her bills or things. No, she's at risk of getting kicked out of her house because of those people living with her. I just didn't know if there's limits on their condo. It could be a condo, but maybe it's a senior living facility a 55 plus community where you can't have long-term guests so we're doing a lot of guesswork here because we don't a lot have of a, guesswork we need a lot more information from our writer so, so i would definitely say um definitely look into all all the above but i would also if i'm going to have a conversation rather than having a chance to be accused of manipulating the situation ask her when she comes to visit you and your grand and, and your new child and I would just say, Grandma, I just want to know what, how are things and what do you want? Because I will help facilitate what you want, but we're not going to push ourselves where we're crossing a boundary that's not what you want. So I need just to know exactly really what you want because her dad's not going to kick in. Unfortunately, probably not. Um, you could encourage it, but 
Doesn't sound like it. No, and it's it's unfortunate because it sounds like her aunt, aka grandma's other daughter, mm -hmm. is kind of removing herself because of Jane and Jane's mom and the manipulation. Yeah, so we, we live it's this. really sad. Yeah, it's it's a terrible position to be in. And I mean, my grandma Ellen died. She didn't she didn't die traumatically. She sat down on her way to go to the bathroom and like peacefully passed away. Um, but you know, there was a lot of accusations that my mom killed her. My mom was responsible for her death. And it's like, I what? Just, no, yeah. like, I, get I just, real. I just know that I was I was around those those few days before. And I know grandma was upset. She was stressed because of, of, of your uncles. Yeah, so it's, it's a really difficult position to be in. And see what resources you have. If you want to write back in and provide more info or go on the YouTube and make a comment, I think a lot of people could chip in for advice on this and, one. And we definitely, I definitely read those and respond to when I read, see something that that's applicable that I may have a comment to make after that. Mm -hmm. Okay, moving along. Go. <laughs> okay. Hi, Jerry and crew. I love Two Hot Takes and found this podcast through you guys. I may have a not common problem for you to help me with. So I'm a trans guy. I've been out to my family since 2019. I have a great support system of friends and a few family members. They have all adapted relatively quickly and see me for who I am. I have slash had a problem during the holidays, dot, dot, dot. A lot of my family doesn't know my voice is different. For context, I'm 32 and I'm female to male. I know that's an outdated term, but it helps with understanding, I find. I live on my own and have a pretty normal life. During the holidays, however, I get so much anxiety. I often get dead named, aka get called by my birth name, and misgendered. This year was predictably the same. Although now no one dead named me, multiple extended family members misgendered me. I see them about once a year during Christmas, so I'm trying to not let it get to me, but it really threw off everything. I could tell my mom was uncomfortable, but she didn't speak up. I didn't either because no one, including my mom, knows that I sound like a man now too. My older siblings are the exception as they are also queer. I want to be myself and correct others, but I feel like it's a sticky situation with my family especially extended family. I have an uncle that is blind and I haven't said hi to him the past few Christmases slash birthdays slash holidays because I don't think he'll accept me and it sucks. Other info, I'm planning on showing my mom my voice in tiny pieces. She had a hard time with my top surgery and I don't want to overwhelm her. I have a habit of hiding things from my mom as she is supportive but has an unknown limit. It was really hard for her with my name change and pronouns. I want to be sensitive as she's seen me as a completely different person for some 30 years of my life. Ideal, to go to the holidays not worrying about who will be there or not engaging because I don't know who I will offend by being there. What should I do? Walk as who you are. You know, the... You haven't changed as far as who you are inside, you know, the, the, the real you. Um, your physicality has changed. Your, 
you know, how you identify you has changed, but it doesn't really change who you are inside. No, so, still the same soul. So as far as I'm concerned, be strong and be you. And if they can't deal with it, it's their problem. You don't have to conform to them. I think you just conform to what's, what, what your comfort is in your comfort zone, who you are. And the more that you find confidence in, in your decision and who you are, and, and, and you show that you are comfortable in your skin, they're going to chill out. They have, there's no, it can't get any worse. It will only get better when you show your own comfort zone is what, 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 what I'm feeling. Now, again, I don't have a lot of uh, personal experience with people I know that have gone through the change. I, I know that my sister's gay. She came out, you know, 30 years ago. And I think that, you know, some of us were um, shocked, didn't know exactly probably how to, you know, respond or how to be, de how to deal with some of it. Um, I would, you know, some people were, um, I would say use negative humor, but at the end of the day, she was confident in who she was and, and her lover and now wife. And 30 years later, look, we all just no negativity at all. Yeah. I think a lot of times too, people are scared to ask questions and I, I completely agree. Go and be you. You have nothing to hide. You're the same person they've known and loved. You are just more of a true authentic version of yourself. You finally are identifying how you feel inside. Like your soul is the same. You are the same person, just happier, healthier, everything along those lines. You brought up something very, very realistic right off the bat. You said some people are really uncomfortable. They don't know how to ask the question. Yeah. So, so I would, I think I would just say if anyone has any questions, exactly. get it out on the table, get, yeah. them, get them comfortable with it, go on and go forward. And, and maybe that might open it up to, to be in a normal relationship and, and get the elephant out of the room, as they say. I just think like, you know, we live in a very interesting time where, I think cancel culture has kind of seeped into our lives in like in like more realistic ways. That's just beyond social media and all like a broad cultural sense. Mm -hmm. I often think it leaves us afraid to even ask those we're close with questions because we don't want to we don't want to offend them. We don't want to look bad. We don't know how to ask something appropriately or politely sometimes. And obviously like some people are going to ask a question and it's totally inappropriate and it's going to make you feel like shit. Like there's those people out there, but hopefully your family that loves you and respects you is going to just come with an open mind mm -hmm. and curiosity. And I think that your idea of really get them down and sit them down and, and say, are you have any questions? Are you is there anything I can make us make us all feel comfortable with, with who I am now and let them have their shot and that's it. Yeah. And I think even with your voice, like hiding your true voice, do you know how hard that is to fake a voice for a whole family gathering? Like you should not have to do that. Just be you. Right. Like have a one-on-one -on -one with your mom and just be like, Hey, so I, I just want to like share my voice with you. Like I've tried to hide it to make everyone comfortable, but like, I want to like reveal my voice mm -hmm. to you. And same thing with the next family gathering. Be like, hey, everyone, can we all sit down? And like, it probably is going to be uncomfortable. You're going to be the center of attention, which 
I don't, I, I personally don't like that, but maybe you do. And just say like, I, you know, because of hormone therapy or because of X, like because of this, that this is my voice. I want to, I want to share, you know, more of who I am with you guys. And, and I, and I also believe. And if you have any questions, have at it. I also believe you should talk to uncle, if his name is, whatever your uncle is, I'm going to call him uncle Frank. Sit down with, with uncle Frank and say, uncle Frank, I, I really want to have a conversation with you. I miss you. And I want to share this with you. And I, I hope that you'll understand who I am and will still love me. I think the reason that our writer like hasn't really talked to the blind uncle is because I don't think he'll accept me and it sucks. But I think kind of back to the issue, like if if he doesn't want to accept you, then like fuck him. I have really come to terms with something in my life. You know, I kind of had this light bulb moment. If you look at who you allow in your life in regards to friends, we typically, sometimes it's it's harder said than done to let them go, but we typically are friends with people who love us, respect us, treat us kindly. There's a reciprocal, mutual relationship there. Why should we have less of a standard for family? Why do we let family treat us like shit? Because they're family? We don't know that Uncle Frank will treat her like shit. I'm just saying, like- in life in general, mm-hmm. you don't have to still associate with someone that's treating you poorly just because they're family. So but, if Uncle Frank doesn't accept you, then fuck Uncle Frank. What does he have to lose by going to Uncle Frank and having the conversation as I just laid out before? There's nothing to lose by going to Uncle Frank because if Uncle Frank's not going to talk, talk to him, it's not going to talk to him, but if Uncle Frank is going to accept him as he is, he's going to open that door right then and there. So he, there, it's a no lose. Yeah, I guess you're. I mean, you're already not talking there's to a, there's your a uncle, no so. lose. There, there's a no lose situation here. Yeah, it it's it's all win. You're going to know for sure, or it, he's he's going to pl- uh, absolutely pleasantly surprise you. Well, and honestly, even if he does suck, you can still ignore him at the family functions because. I saw my uncle for the first time in four years this holiday season. And it's the first time I've seen him since a big family fight, big blowout, terrible shit was said. And honestly, I saw him, but I like didn't really interact with him. Mm-hmm. I don't think I said one word. I actually didn't say one word. So if it does go south, you can still keep on ignoring him. And you might be you might be pleasantly surprised. You might be. Keep us posted. Alrighty, we got another one. Yeah. Hi, Jerry, Justin, and Morgan. Longtime listener, first time write in. I, twenty four female, and my husband, twenty three male, have been married four years and share a beautiful one year old daughter together. I am a stay at home mom by my husband's request, and he is in the military. A few months ago, I realized he had a gambling problem. This only came to light when I told him I needed to go grocery shopping, and he told me we couldn't because we had no money. I wasn't mad. I actually felt bad for him because I could see the guilt and shame written all over his face. We sat down and made a budget, and he swore he would never do it again. He even gave me full access to his account so I could see all of his transactions. This is when I realized the extent of the problem. 
$8,000 in credit card debt and over $70,000 in charges. I was livid because we have been living paycheck to paycheck and having my mother send us $600 a month for groceries. We are stationed in Hawaii, so the cost of living is insane. So there's your background information. Fast forward to now. We come home for the holidays, which just so happens to also include our anniversary and our daughter's birthday. We went out with some friends, and when the bill came, my husband looked at me and said he couldn't pay it. I was confused because he had just gotten paid a week ago and knew he should still have at least $1,000 in his account, especially because we still had to buy our daughter Christmas and birthday gifts. I quickly pulled up his account right then and there and was stunned to see he had gambled it all away through gambling apps on his phone. I was pissed and he said, quote, we'll talk about it later. On the drive home, all I could think about was, quote, how could he be so selfish to gamble away his daughter's birthday gifts? Luckily, she's only one and won't remember this, but it's the principle of it. It's the next day and we still haven't talked. I refused to initiate the conversation because he also mentioned last night to his friends that when him and I fight, I always give in. Well, I'm not this time. Ideal outcome, my husband to stop being an idiot and spending all of our shekels. Additional info, he gets out of the military in May and is set on not re-enlisting, but I honestly don't see how this is possible with our current financial situation. At least while he is in, we as a family have housing and insurance, which is needed because I'm a type 1 diabetic and insulin is expensive, none of which we will be able to afford once he gets out. First thing I would do in this conversation that that you're going to have with him is uh, you're the one that holds the, the access to the account. Because obviously at this point in time, until he gets help, obviously with gambling, because it's simply a disease at this point. And he may think that it's, it's, it's a business deal that he's going to try to make money and he's going to have extra money for the holidays. But it's clearly not working for him. It, 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 he, he's not a good gambler. <laughs> so that's, it's not a business. This is a disease. So the only way that he, you guys can really hang together is you're going to have to lay down the, 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 the reality that you're going to control the credit card. You're controlling the checkbook. He is off access for right now until we're caught up and, and we're showing a place because we're partners. And I, if, if we are on a ship and he is throwing away the paddles, you're going to man the paddle because you're a team. You're a partnership. He can't. Yeah. I'm, I'm honestly, I have really bad vibes and I don't know if it's just because like, Maybe he's, you know, he's 23, young and immature, but I feel like there's like a little bit of financial abuse going on here. I think you being a stay-at-home mom, if you want to do that, absolutely do it. Power to you. Stay-at-home parenting is the toughest job in the world. It is an amazing time to spend with your kids. It can be so rewarding and beneficial and all this. There's a lot to it. But the fact it was at his request, it was at the husband's request. And you have been in such dire 
financial positions because of his addiction that you can't even buy groceries. I'm, I think like anyone who is a stay-at-home parent should always, always, always get money from their partner and put in a, a private account. Mm-hmm. Call it an allowance. Call it getting paid for your time at home because it's a full-time job and then some, I don't, whatever you want to call it, however you want to have the conversation. But every stay-at-home parent should have their own money. And the fact that it doesn't sound like you do, you have no money of your own, you are totally at his mercy, really worries me, especially because, even more so because of this addiction. Mm-hmm. Well, remember, her parents contribute too. So, so she's yeah. she's contributing by, by way of that. The bottom line is that they're married, they're a couple. He made some decisions to, to, to make her be a to ask her to be a stay at home mom. They're dependent upon that income and managing that checkbook. He is abusing it. He has lost his rights. It's going to be really difficult to put into words what I'm thinking. I think the military is such a sacrifice, and it's people that commit and can give up their life in that way. I commend you guys. I would not ever be able to do it. I think that loss of freedom, that autonomy over yourself, your body, what you can and can't do with your life, I I can't even wrap my mind around it. So that sacrifice, I, I commend anyone that is a service member. And so I look at their, you know, their issues and healthcare and housing are immensely important. It's it's everything. It's life. It's your your sustenance, your safety, your everything. But I also don't think like him re-enlisting like it shouldn't be like hey babe like you need to re-enlist so we have these things it might need to be a conversation of like hey honey I love you you have a problem I need to get a job at this point we need to find affordable child care you need to find a job that is gonna meet our needs as well after you're done and you need to get help for gambling like this is a do not pass go like you are going and pursuing some sort of treatment. We ha- we we are at the point now that they can discuss. Look, there are people that go in to become career uh, service people working in the service. Our our admirals and our generals are career service. Yeah, people. there's a lot of people that do I, it. I can't say that this is good or bad. It, it's a discussion that they have to have as a couple at that point when when they when they get there. If it's next week, next month, or next year. They'll have that conversation, but the immediate conversation they have to have is that he has to agree if he wants to stay married, really, if he wants to stay married, mm-hmm. then he's got to relinquish all rights to get access to that money until he is healthy, period. And he's going to, he may fight this tooth and nail, but he has to realize that you guys are equal in this and to go out for dinner. I mean, you certainly get, you know, groceries and you get great, great values at the BXs. But when you go out into the real world for, for a dinner, they're expensive. And if he's going to gamble the money away, he's not going to have any ability of going out with his friends to go have these dinners. And you're stuck too. That is why that you have as much of a right to say, honey, for right now, until we, we realize, look, you promised me you would never do it again. You did it again. So with that being said, first time is shame on shame on you 
Second time, now it's shame on me for allowing you to do it so it doesn't happen again. And I'm we're pulling it. This For right now, access denied. So you can't get yourself in trouble by way of now getting me in trouble. It's both of us well, and, it's, and, it's and our their, daughter. Their child. And our daughter. We, yeah. So I hope I don't have an argument with you about this. And that's the conversation that I would have. That's an adult conversation. Yeah. And there is a lot of support for active military and veterans. Lots of no-cost treatment is available Mm -hmm. for those with a gambling problem and or their family members. Um, One site I'm seeing is militarygamblesafe.org. And they kind of say it here, military culture and gambling seem to go hand in hand. There's a lot of articles that pop up where when I search, does military offer gambling support? And there's a lot of studies um, that basically say military service members are vulnerable to problem gambling, largely due to the many readily accessible gambling opportunities at hand. And gambling addiction is linked to active duty military personnel. Wow. It's, I didn't, that's not something I even realized. And so. It's a conversation though. It is. And I mean, you guys are so young. You, you should be using this time with housing and healthcare that's free to set yourself up for success, to have a nest egg for the future. And it's unfortunate that this, you know, was kind of squandered by him. And we don't know how much of that $70,000 in credit card debt is gambling. We have no idea. No idea, but it probably is a big number. It's really sad. It's really sad and unfortunate and he needs help. Um, he really, really needs help. I think obviously individual therapy for him and I would, I would pursue couples therapy. I also think someone who says to his friends, this sounds so, like so. in front of you, if when we always fight, I always give in, like she always gives in. So don't worry about it, guys. Don't worry about it. Someone who says that does not respect you. He said that out loud to his friends with you in earshot. He doesn't give a fuck about your feelings. There's no respect there. She needs to have the conversation. It's time. It's this clear. would This would be the hill I die on because if he's not willing to get help now, this is the rest of your life. This is a vicious cycle the rest of your life. That's correct. The apps get deleted. You pursue therapy. It is time. And you're locked down. I definitely think there's... A way to, like, obviously, you know, he has a debit card with a, a daily $100 limit or something. Gro- going to the grocery store is 100 bucks. Like, you have, you can't, you can't remove he someone's. To, he does, she can give him the cash to go to the store and get the receipt when he gets back. The bottom line is that I he, think a debit card with a $100 he, limit does he, the same thing. He's an addict. He is an addict, but you also can't strip someone of their dignity and, oh, I agree. And I, so there needs to be, like, he's still an adult. He's he's an adult. And if, you know, despite being confronted and, you know, facing these issues, if he's still willing to go behind her back and continue to hurt not only himself but his family, then she might be faced with the tough decision of what do I need to do that's best for me mm-hmm. and my child? 
and our health and happiness. So step one, therapy, treatment, and step two, managing finances. They're solely your responsibility. Be careful with that with that hundred dollars a day, that seven hundred a week, fourteen hundred fourteen hundred every two weeks, twenty uh, It definitely adds up, but I think with you monitoring it, you could set up alerts. I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's apps where banks you can turn on notifications anytime you spend money, you get an instant pop up on your phone. It can be very monitored, but I also know that if you can't trust your partner and you're going to have issues. So I, I definitely think couples counseling is also a non-negotiable. I think that's a good idea. Okay. Last one. Okay. Another military story. We have a lot of, uh, military active and, uh, like past service members that listen, it seems. So a lot of these were, were military ones that I, I found today. Hello, my husband, 23 male and I, 25 female have other couple friends. Let's say their names are Jack, 28-ish male, and Jill, 36 female. I also wonder if that's supposed to be 26, but I'm not sure. 36 female. Jack and Jill have an almost two-year-old kid. Let's say her name is Sally. We have been friends for three years because our husbands work together in the military, and me and Jill became close friends. Some background on our friendship. We all became extremely close quickly and were always there for each other since we live far away from family and move often. We were there for each other's big life moments, such as finding out they were pregnant and helping anytime they needed with the baby. Fast forward three years and a few moves later, we are all still in the same town. They recently bought a house and were supposed to close a week prior to the holidays. Lots of BS later, and they ended up closing two days before Christmas. It was a shit show, to say the least. Jill is pregnant with their second child. They have a large dog and two cats. We have two large dogs as well. Well, they asked us to help them move everything on Christmas Eve. Of course, my husband says yes, because we have always been there for them. My husband helped Jack load everything from their old house into a U-Haul while Jill came over to my house with Sally to be out of the way of all the moving. Mind you, this is all still Christmas Eve. That night, I went with them to drop Jill and the kid off at the new house. There was no heat. The house was 33 degrees Fahrenheit. Chaos ensued. I called my husband to help Jack fix it and Jill and took Jill and the kid back to my house. I cleaned up our guest room and waited on her hand and fucking foot. Jack came back with my husband and Jack and Jill fought the entire time. They also brought their dog and tried to bring the two cats. Let's do a head count. There are four adults, three large dogs, and a toddler in our in our house. And a partridge in a pear tree. Mm-hmm. My husband and I do not have kids. The next morning, they crashed our Christmas morning. You could cut the tension with a machete. Jack left early and spent all day at the new house moving stuff, I guess. He left Jill with no car and zero communication about what was even happening. Jill and the toddler spent all day at our house, and my husband and I waited on her hand and foot again. Jill was very thankful and apologetic because it wasn't her fault. We had no car seat or a way to get them to their new house even. Remember, it's Christmas Day. 
We hosted a dinner with our other friends and couples later that night. Jack was an hour and a half late and, surprise, brought his mother who drove in from out of town. Jack and Jill were still fighting the whole entire time. Jack then said, quote, you should stay here again tonight with Sally. To Jill, without even asking us. I was sitting right next to them, and he didn't even bother to ask. Just told. This was my house. I pulled my husband aside and told him, let Jill and Sally stay because they would probably kill each other if she went to the new house. Jack was supposed to build the beds and the crib that night, so they had a place to sleep the next night. His mom was supposed to pick up Jill the next morning at 9 a.m. Jack did none of that, and Jack's mom did not pick up Jill and Sally until 4 p.m. the next day. My husband ended up going to their new house and building the beds, crib, and even tried setting up their Wi-Fi for them. Jill was very thankful the whole time, but my husband and I were furious at Jack. The way he treated us, treated his wife, and a whole lot of other background things that he had done. After this entire ordeal, I immediately made an appointment for birth control again. It was that bad. My ideal outcome is to still be friends with them. There's so much tension right now, though, and I hate it. I like Jill, but Jack is on my shit list. How do I make sure our relationship is less one-sided and keep my good friend Jill? I don't think Jack and Jill's relationship will make it. How do I help my friend Jill and her kids? This is a, this is a war zone with landmines. This is a really tough one. Mm-hmm. You know, you're the woman of your home and you have an issue with Jack. And I think that you really have to sit down and say, Jack, you know, I have a problem. doesn't matter even if your husband has the problem with Jack. You have a problem with Jack. And if you sit down with him and, and say, look, I'm not here to get into a pissy match. This was a really difficult move at a difficult time and everything went wrong and all the stuff. But I want to air out to you some of the problems that, I'm, that I had that in your frustration, you took me for granted and disrespect me by just not even saying, gee, is it okay? Or I, I, this is just bad. Or do we need to get a hotel? Is there something else I have to do? Can, you know, where are you in all this to, if you, if you feel you can't su- you know, support this need or I just need to figure out how else I'm going to do it? At least if you did that, you made that, to, you, you, you gave me some of the power to make some of the choices that would work. And more importantly, you would have showed me the respect of at least asking me. Yeah. In, in your insanity and in the craziness of the moment, you just didn't give me an opportunity to say yes or no. I mean, obviously, most probably I would have said fine. I didn't. I don't think we had anybody else coming over that night, but you didn't give me that chance. Yeah, I mean, it was a holiday celebration. They easily could have had planned for family visiting and staying with them. Who knows? Everybody, Never assume. It makes an ass out of you. you. Know, I'm sorry that your planning didn't go the way you wanted it to go and you didn't have contingencies in place, but you certainly, you know, threw me to the curb. And, and, and it makes me feel I have anger. And I'd like to see if we can discharge that because we are friends. We've, we've been 
closed for, you know, for three years. But I, I just, if I don't say this to you, then it's just, it's, it's just going un, un, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Unchecked. Unchecked. Or, or there's another word I was looking for. I, I lost it, but. It, I do it, have some additional info. You do? Yeah. Well, why are you holding out? Trigger warning though, for this additional info, it does mention miscarriage. Normally we travel back to our hometown for Christmas, but we couldn't this year because I did not have the time off due to having a traumatic miscarriage and used all of my PTO on that. The relationship between my husband and I and Jack and Jill has always felt one-sided. I feel like if something like this happened to us, they wouldn't even bother to help us. Jack has a history of pressuring Jill into things, such as a new dog, second kid, etc. He spends money like none other. He's not always responsible. Jill is in therapy for depression and postpartum and is on meds. Jack refuses therapy. Jack's a problem. Jack does but, but sound she, like a problem. But she certainly has to have a dialogue with Jack. I think it doesn't necessarily need to be her. I think it should be them as a couple. I don't think this is our writer's sole responsibility to confront Jack. I think it needs to be like a sit down, like next time they see them, just be like, hey, you know what? Can we like, can we just like talk about the holidays? And like, I, you know, I'm happy to help. I want you guys to feel like you can depend on us because we're friends. Like we love each other. We've been a big part of each other's lives for the past couple of years. But just like, can you maybe ask next time or not assume in in situations, however you want to have that conversation. But me personally, mm -hmm. I would not, I would distance myself. I would not continue to have this one-sided relationship because that doesn't feel good. That's not what friendship is about. And obviously you really care for Jill and she's a really close friend, but you can be friends with Jill without having to interact with Jack. But it's tough, but you can still do so it. Are you are you saying not to have the conversation? I you know it is tough. I think you want to you want to handle it. What do they call it? Um, oh shit! A passive aggressive the way. Pa yes. No, I mean that's exactly the word I was looking for. They're all adults. Twenty three, twenty five, twenty eight. I, I 36, would, maybe 26 with a typo. I, I, I would be interested in knowing what the husband's feeling is on this. And does he stand with his wife equally to go have this conversation? If he doesn't, then she still has to have the conversation. Yeah, well, I mean, and again, I, I truly, I don't think our writer should have a conversation with him alone. I don't think that is a, I don't think that's, that responsibility falls on her. The husband, based on the writing, was upset, mm -hmm. is just as mad at Jack as her. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think it needs to be a joint thing. I, to be honest, I don't think it'll be as respected or received if it comes from just her. Mm -hmm. I think I'm anticipating a little misogyny, I think is what I'm I, I, anticipating. I, I, I hear you say that. What I, what I was thinking by having her having the conversation on her own with him was that he would feel he was being ganged up upon if it was the two of them against him. And I thought that if she could really articulate, which I think she can, quite on her own, 
that she might be able to have a conversation that might be effective. I, I was, think it I would was be, giving her that, 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 that. And maybe, maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe they're close enough to where they could have that conversation. But I personally think it would be better received coming from her husband. Mano y mano. Let them. Because they're the friends? Well, and I think there's a certain level of respect. Both of them are in the military. And mm-hmm. maybe I'm assuming, maybe I'm making an ass out of me, myself, and I. But I just think that based on Jack's behavior, our writer was sitting right there when he said, hey, you and Sally should stay here tonight. Didn't ask our writer, didn't ask her, you know. So I think there, I'm already gauging that there's this level of disrespect or a lack of respect between Jack and her. And so, and maybe that's just Jack. Maybe he doesn't respect the husband either, but you'll find out in a conversation and I I would either choose to have it together you and your husband or just let your husband do it because I don't think you'll get anywhere with Jack. Anyways, I we do do we both agree that her and the husband have to have the first conversation to see how they want to handle it. Yeah, I I you know, I think if you want to try to improve this friendship, yeah, you're going to need to have a conversation. However, if you're tired of a one-sided friendship, it's okay to distance yourself. I wouldn't. I would not want to be a part of this anymore. Well, I would. I would certainly call him on it. I think. Why would you say? I think she should still have the conversation with her husband and say, "Do we have a conversation together? Do you want to have the conversation, or do you want? Do you want me to have the conversation?" Yeah, yeah. You you can have that conversation. Step one. There you go. Step one. There you go. And then it's tough. See where that one comes comes up with. Yeah, and I, you know, maintaining your relationship with Jill. I think it's super easy, honestly. Plan activities that don't involve the guys. Go over there, meet the new baby, help out, bake cookies together, bake muffins, make baby food, do whatever you want to do. Like if you guys knit, if you crochet, if you like makeup, whatever your hobbies, your friendship entails, do it one-on-one time and strengthen your personal friendship so that it doesn't need to involve Jack. It's not, it's a couple's friendship and that's it. No, um, I think you're right. You should, they should have singular friendships as well. Yeah. And I just think like, that's a very maintainable thing. It's very doable. So I think being there, being Jill's friend, that's how you help I will say, your friend and her kids. I, I will say one thing when, when, you know, I have women that are friends and some of Amy's friends are my friends. And I know if there was an issue, I would hope that uh, one of those women would say, Jerry, I have an issue. Can we talk about it? And I have enough respect for them that I would say, yeah. And I will tell you at the end of it, I will have more respect <laughs> for them. You're so hung up on this. Because I, I, I believe that it is possible that she can gain more respect by having this dialogue with him. And he, he automatically realizes... He's got to watch himself that he, he's an asshole yeah. and he was called out by... I by, mean, she's going to know him a whole lot better than me sitting on this little couch. Like, uh, gauge the situation and so, trust your gut if you so, think you're going to get more across to him. Right. So that's where I came up with this with this yeah. thing. That's all. Whatever you think. So that's you know, why I said ha- have the conversation with your husband first, how we want to deal with this as, as a couple, because we are a couple. Yeah. It's I, you and me. It's our friends. And how... How do you want to, you know, what's your thoughts? And 
let's let's talk about how we need to absolutely handle go from there i wish you i wish you luck i don't envy you in having this conversation it but we want to sounds... but we want to hear how it comes out oh yeah of course i want the tea keep us posted <laughs> um that is all i have for you on this episode so everyone, I want to thank you for stepping in and watching us this week and this episode. Do we have a Patreon coming afterwards? We have a Patreon coming later this week when I get some time. Ah, so uh, yeah. Morgan. Oh, Justin's over here ready for an announcement. Announcements. So I have, I have Justin over here waving his arms frantically. So he wanted me to tease the Patreon story okay. that will be up first this week when I get to it. And the title is... Um, need help if I should ever talk to my dad again. Ooh. Yeah, so he read it. He really is like, this needs to be read ASAP. So, Apparently, it's going to be a meaty story. Yeah, I think it's it's going to be a good one. Patreon's got a lot of great write-ins. And I saw some comments on the YouTube that people were confused. Like, oh, it'd be so sad if I, you know, my story got read on Patreon. We do email people we we fall a little behind sometimes but we really do try to like be prompt with the emails and send the writers the link for the youtube so they can watch it but um that's what happens on our patreon there they're also very important write-ins and we'd love would love 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 to grow the community so that you can all help give advice on there as well so anyone that does a write-in and it does get read on patreon they don't miss out. They get a link. They, yes. get, they get to yes. hear their story. They're going to know what's coming up. Absolutely. So uh, We might be a little behind. I, we're busy. We're busy. <laughs> Anyways, thanks again for chiming in this week. We will have one for next week as well. And uh, we look forward to seeing you. So have a great week. Good night. Bye.